Hello, everyone. Welcome to Things Above. It's time to bring an eternal perspective to our present day circumstances. Thank you so much for joining me today. We are picking up our much anticipated, long awaited part two of the last two part series of My Place in My Community, part two. So, Thanks for joining me. We'll get right into it. When we ended our last episode of My Place in My Community, part one, we left off with a discussion about how does it look for a Christian to be involved in their community in terms of governing in the public square? We talked about how your place, my place in our community is standing up for our families, our communities, our churches, our morals, being good stewards, standing up for those who don't have the strength or voice to stand for themselves, speaking out for justice. Those are just a few of the things that we talked about that are the reasons why we need to be in the public square holding our government accountable. Today, we're going to get down to the practical aspect of what do you do if you're just sitting here at your house, you're looking at the country, you're feeling distressed about the state of things, and you're just looking around and you're saying, where do I start from here as a Christian? How do I get going? Well, I have four ideas to get you rolling today, and they are practical, but not in the sense of call this number or go to this organization and or email these people and sign this petition. They're not quite practical in, in that way. They're practical in the sense of what you can do daily right now to start being the, the person that God would have you be in our community. So four points. The first one I have is pretty basic and hopefully as a Christian, that's something that's part of your life already, but um, praying, seeking God in prayer. Everything we do starts in prayer. It's communicating with God. It's reaching out and asking him to come into our situation, to be in control of it and to show us his will and help us to follow it. It's laying down our own will. It's asking for his help. This is, there's really nothing that we can do outside of God and his work. And prayer is, is the first step in laying our own efforts down and letting him take control. In prayer, ask what God would have you to do. Ask for guidance. Psalm 32, 8 says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Over and over again in the Bible, God has shown he is faithful to lead us. When we are seeking what he wants us to do, he will show us. And I will say, be careful because he will answer a sincere prayer in amazing ways. I have prayed this prayer. I have prayed, God, show me this. Give me this answer. I need to know what you want me to do about this situation. And he has clearly shown me in his own timing through various means exactly what I needed to know to take the next step, to make a decision, to just follow his leading every time he has shown me. And in terms of our country, he has shown me step-by-step what he wants me to be doing and where he wants me to go. As you're praying, pray and ask God to show you what are your interests, your abilities, your connections, 
what issues are most important for for his will in your life, for you to be involved in. Ask him to show you what it is that he has already given you that will be useful and helpful and a way for you to use that and steward that for his will in your community. He will show you. He has already given you special abilities and they may seem insignificant to you. They may not seem like the typical abilities that one would take to go do community organizing or communications or um, you know, the things that we typically think of in, in politics as being gifts. However, there's something for everyone and he has already given you something and ask him to show you what that is that you can use for his glory in this, in our community and in our local government. Also, be in prayer for your community. Be in prayer for your community leaders, for our state leaders, for our national leaders, for these situations. God is listening to our prayers and he is looking for people who will stand in the gap and pray. And he will show you, he will make a difference and he will work things to guide you to be in the right place at the right time. He will prepare hearts. He does all of this in answer to our prayers. And we've seen this over and over again throughout the Bible. God is moving. He is listening to his children. His eyes are always watching the righteous. He's keeping watch over the good and the evil. He sees it all and he can reveal in his time what we need to know. Having that solid prayer foundation in whatever you do is what will give you peace and strength and clarity and wisdom as you go forward and you navigate the decisions that you'll be making and the people with which you'll be interacting. And the second thing with that in conjunction with number one would be reading and discerning the Bible. The Bible is often how God answers prayer in my life through preaching, through teaching, through reading it, and through conversation with others. Many times they will all align in a special way where I can just really see God is bringing something to my attention that is another piece of a puzzle or an answer to a prayer that I've been, I've been seeking um, answers from him or help from him about. Really, really simple. When things are confusing out there, first of all, God is not the author of confusion. So when you turn on the news or you go out into your community, you go grocery shopping and things are confusing and there's strife and there's people are unsettled, that is not of the Lord. We have to remember that. God is a God of order. We can find our solid foundation and our resting place, the place where things make sense, in the Bible. It's really simple. If you don't know where to start, try a word study. If you're watching something in the news and you want to you want answers like how should I think about this? How should I respond? I don't want to be manipulated by um, sensational news or social media. What do I, what do I do to not get caught up in the inflammatory and to, to have a godly eternal perspective on what's going on? And, um, it's really simple. Do a word study, take your Bible, start small, just start reading. Do you want to know about justice? Look it up. There's so many great tools on the internet you can use you can do word searches throughout the bible there are awesome bible apps you can do 
and um, you can get on your phone, you can do quick word searches and just start reading. Where does it talk about justice in the Bible? What does God say about that? Where does it talk about our eternal priorities and what those should be? What about the purpose of government? What about private property, family relationships, communication, equality, the role of church, the role of the family in society? Where does God talk about these things in the Bible? You can do word searches and find scripture. And I will say, you don't want to pull scripture out of context. You don't want to just pull a verse out and take your whole thinking from that. But it's a place to start to dig in and it will probably raise more questions at first than answers, but it will help you start to put together and, and by the guiding of the Holy Spirit and praying and seeking this out, God is going to show you answers to questions. This knowledge will open your eyes to the truth and the truthful way about thinking about things that are happening around us, and it will protect you from deception. Spending a, a few minutes every morning in the book of Proverbs will greatly fortify you against catching on to deceitful people, people with bad motives, people who are wicked, but maybe they are flatterers and they are, um, they're very good at pulling the wool over people's eyes. Um, the book of Proverbs is great for strengthening a person with wisdom to have discernment. So there's a great example of a place to start. Knowing who Jesus really is, knowing what Jesus really taught. If you are grounded in these things, you will not be fooled by people who run around on news programs talking about what they say Jesus might do and say. You won't be guilted into thinking a certain way about things just because you're a Christian and you're supposed to be kind and loving. You will know what God says and you'll be able to stand for that. And this will also guide you, being grounded in the word will guide you to good leadership. It'll guide you to good organizations with which you can have peace about being involved with. When you're aware of what to look for in a good leader and you know who God is, you're going to spot a fake really fast over time. You will grow in this ability to discern and you'll be able to find the people. And now let's be real in politics. Are candidates, for example, candidates for elected office, are they always great people? Are those always the people that we would want babysitting our children or um, running our social media account or, you know, handling our finances? I mean, there's, I'm not saying that we're going to find the perfect godly political candidate. That may not happen, but we're going to have our eyes open to know that probably most of them are greatly flawed. However, certain organizations can have a depth to their organization to rally for the causes of wickedness that others may not. So it, we can have our eyes open to that and align with the party or the um, group that is most in tune with us on godly principles. Now, when I say godly principles, I, principles, I don't mean that they have every issue, the kind and loving 
response to things. Uh, people like to often say that Jesus would be a socialist, for example, and that is like a discussion for a whole other day. However, we can know that when we're standing in the in the role of government, we're standing for the side that would protect individual rights, that would protect individuals from being bullied or persecuted by a government for living according to their conscience, that we can stand for. Even if we have flawed politicians involved with the party that stands for the Constitution, we can stand for that. We, we can, we can, um, we can work with people who may not even be Christians, but if they are standing for those individual liberties and our freedoms, which we get from our creator, we can stand with them. And when it comes to the public square and that, that is protecting those freedoms is what protects all of us in our country and others, and they are individual right to choose whether or not they will serve God. It's supposed to be a choice. It is not supposed to be mandated by the government. So when you are grounded in the scripture in your prayer life, and you are, you're going to be guided by that wisdom and by that relationship with God to good leadership, and you should evaluate the leadership that you follow you will be able to reject the fakes. And let me tell you, they abound. The enemy loves to use fakes. He does not put on the costume with horns and a pitchfork and come out dancing around everywhere trying to wreak havoc. That is, that's not his, his, the way he works. He likes to use polished people who look like good Christians a lot of times. He likes to use them because they can trick Christians, they can, they're very, how Gollum says, tricksy, right? So the enemy wants to use fakes. He wants to use fake churches. He wants to use a fake gospel. He would love to use false teachers, fake redemption. And I have, and I say redemption in quotes there, fake love, fake justice, fake education, fake friendship, fake ideas of fun, fake progress, fake unity. Anything that God talks about in the Bible as being something good, the devil would love to come in and, and make a counterfeit of that same thing and then call it that same thing. But it's not what the way that God made it. It's not the way, it's not God's idea of how it should be. It's a fake. When we're grounded in scripture, in our prayer life, walking with the Lord, we are going to be more equipped to spot these fakes and to point out why they're wrong and to, and to help our children, help our community see that this is not what's real. Now, you're not in the business of going around to your community telling them all, um, you know, they need to go to your particular church, unless you're evangelizing, of course. But um, in the realm of government, though, and our time and our energy that we put into maintaining the precious freedoms that we have here, we need to be aware of ourselves that we're not getting led astray in our personal lives and in our families into something that's fake. A fake idea of justice and love and unity. I've been seeing that in spades this year. People saying that you cannot be redeemed because 
your sins were committed by your fathers who are dead. So what was the, uh, that undermines the gospel. I'm reading a book right now about critical race theory, and I'm really excited to maybe do a podcast about this in the future, but it is highly concerning. If you buy into that idea that you must apologize for what your ancestors did to people, that you must apologize for that and that you're, you have sin because of that, well, I'm not really saved then, am I? Jesus died for the sins of the world. And if I have to go to a person, I have to go to someone else other than Jesus to wash away those sins. That's not the gospel. And I'm not explaining it as eloquently as the author of the book that I'm reading, but I think you can probably get the point here that Jesus died for our sins and redemption only comes from Jesus. And once you have it from him, you are free indeed. And that goes for everybody, no matter the color of your skin. And we need to look at each other through the eyes of Christ and remember that, that nobody owes us anything. Jesus paid it all. And I don't need to, you know, unless I have, you know, personally wronged somebody and I need to go make it right by them, that sin is not washed away by their forgiveness of me. That sin is washed away by Jesus' blood. So I'm, I'm free. Everyone who is saved is free. And we cannot look at each other and ask each other to both seek and ask or impart forgiveness for sins that really only Jesus would have the authority to forgive. Look out for the fakes. Mark them. And chuck them. All right. My last point. So we've got praying, reading and discerning the word of God, rejecting the fakes as you are growing in your discernment. The last one I have is reject idols. We tend to love them, don't we? We start out doing something for the Lord many times as Christians, and we have a lot of passion about it. And it's so easy for the very thing that we're trying to do to then become an idol and for that to turn around and poison our priorities of God, to make us proud, to harm our relationship with others if it's stealing time away that we're supposed to be spending with people who and our family who need us to to whom we should be devoted first of all success recognition affirmation acceptance by society ouch that's hard it's hard to be a person who likes to get along with everybody and to realize that, wow, at some point you've got to, you've got to throw down that idol because you're never going to be accepted by society. Once you start down following the road, following Jesus, I think of like the disciples, they just 
left everything and followed him, you're not going to be accepted by society anymore. And that is a hard idol to get rid of. Many people are counting the cost of what they say on Twitter and how that's going to affect their following. Many are thinking about what they post on social media and how that might affect their job. And I don't mean because they're posting something inappropriate. I mean because they're simply saying something that they believe, something that's in line with their conscience before God, and they're going to have to perhaps find that they are that's not accepted by people who have authority over them. But if that's controlling us, if those fears are controlling us, then that desire for acceptance has become an idol. And it, it, we have to lay that down and confess it. What's another idol? How about, how about science? I don't know. I mean, science couldn't really be an idol, could it? Could we ever put science before our faith, before God, before our trust in his word? How might that happen? 2020, anybody? (laughs) What about partisan politics? As Christians, a lot of times we've been in line with the Republican Party and I'm not sure that's always worked out the best. I'm starting to look back over the last several decades and I'm wondering if that really was a net gain. Was it easier to seek that than to just simply seek God's face, to seek Republican control of government than to seek God's face and to risk persecution? Have we held hands with some people that we should not have joined with perhaps at times and hoping that that compromise would lead to some sort of conservative victory? And it usually hasn't. And maybe we need to stop and, and realize, are we trusting that more than we're trusting God? Do we still trust God if it means we never win elections anymore? something to think about. What about easy solutions as idols? Solutions that don't cost us anything. Solutions to problems that they're quick. We can just do them. They won't make us hurt very much. What about emotional involvement? Emotional involvement in your entertainment, in your following your passions, I guess I should say. There are times where our emotions are really directing us in ways that we should really be allowing the Holy Spirit to direct us. I know I've had this in my own life. Sports, entertainment, safety, being seen as quote-unquote good or quote-unquote right. These are all things that I think many Christians, and I've found myself doing this too, we have at times place some of these things in God's place in our life. And as we find those, let's reject them. Let's confess them. Let's put 
put the sacrifice back on the altar. Honor God with the authority and, and glory and, and worship him with our heart in the right place. When we're doing those things, we're not going to be fooled. We're going to have wisdom. God is going to direct us. We're not going to be part of some political plan to just get all the evangelicals to vote for the right person so we can swing certain states or, you know, get bicameral uh, legislative control of state houses and at the national level. We're, We're not going to be pawns when we are doing these things. We will be going into the public square directed by the Holy Spirit with wisdom, and we will be useful that way. I have one more thing to add, and I would just say this. Don't go it alone. When a wolf wants to pick off a sheep, he tries to get the one that's wandering off by itself. The Bible says in the multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. Sheep are safer in a group with a shepherd. So find a good church, find good friends, be a good friend. And remember when you're building these relationships, iron sharpens iron. And you know what happens when iron hits iron? Sometimes sparks will fly. But remember, open rebuke is better than secret love and faithful are the wounds of a friend. So let's have these difficult discussions with our friends in love speaking the truth in love. Let's allow ourselves to be corrected when we're out of line. Let's seek churches that are teaching the Bible, are following the biblical way of doing things, and encourage each other so much the more. We're supposed to gather and, and, and be encouraged and worship God so much the more as we see the day coming. In Ezekiel, Chapter 22, verse 30, the Bible says, I sought for just one man to stand in the gap that the land would not be destroyed and found none. Isn't that sad? God was just looking for one person to stand in the gap for Israel. And there were none. Just one person would have made a difference. So let's be that person. Let's not just look at our country and say, well, I know where I'm going. Even if America goes downhill, I know what's going to happen to me and the Lord's in control. He is certainly in control and praise the Lord for that. But let's be good stewards of this country that God has allowed us to be born in or has allowed us to come to or has allowed us to live here. Let's be good stewards of that and stay engaged in our communities, in our local governments, in our state governments, and even the national, if you have those connections. Let's stay in prayer. Let's stay engaged and involved and make a difference for the Lord in these places. Thanks for joining me today. I hope I've encouraged you a little as you're thinking about where your place in your community is, and I hope you find it, and I hope you get to work impacting where you live for God's glory. Colossians 3 verses 1 and 2. Remember, raise your gaze.